Uh, I, 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 before we open the word of God, uh, would like to pray um, for Anthony, who will be going back to university, uh, Blawayo. In fact, you're supposed to be prayed for during the uh, pastoral offertory prayer. Uh, just that God will guide him, and that God will be with him as he continues his studies. And it's been a breath of fresh air, brother, to have you. Uh, we care about you, we love you, we, we pray for you regularly. And we pray that uh, you may finish your school very soon, because the church is uh, weak without you. Uh, how, how will the hand function if one of his fingers is missing? Uh, borrowing an illustration of the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 12. So let us just pray for you, brother. Uh, as you head back to school. Our Father in heaven, uh, we thank you for our brother Anthony. We thank you that uh, for these past few years he's been here. He's been a blessing to us, um, even amidst uh, many uh, trials and tribulations, disagreements and agreements. And we continue to pray that you would be with him and help him stand, Lord. Lord, help him stand in the midst of uh, wolves. May he be uh, wise as a serpent and innocent as a dove and help him to flourish and finish his school so that he's back working and serving you here, Lord. And Lord, we pray that you may protect him from the wiles of the evil one and the seductresses. We know that life in university is uh, very tempting, so many temptations. But Lord, we, as we have sung, we know that you will be with him even in this period. Would you also be with his mom and uh, his sister as they remain behind Narare? Lord, we also desire that they would come to the saving knowledge of Christ and that, Lord, we, we desire to see them worshipping as well with us, worshipping the triune God in spirit and in truth. And Lord, pray for the preaching of God's word this morning. Speak to us ever so clearly. We, we desire that we will be filled with wisdom from the scriptures and that the Holy Spirit would guide us and enable us to see clearly. Lord, if there's anyone in this room this morning who doesn't know you, who is still a stranger to grace, who can, who can be honest with themselves, may you shine your face upon them in the Lord Jesus Christ. May they see you. May they repent and believe in the gospel. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, dear friends, please turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 2. First Timothy chapter 2, verse 11 to 15 is where we will spend our time together this morning. This is one of those texts that can have many effects, but if listened to with a heart, a humble heart, the effects will be good and they will be multi-generational. First Timothy chapter 2, verse 11 to 15, hear the word of God as it comes from the English Standard Version. Let a woman learn quietly 
with all submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. Yet she will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control. The place of women in the congregation has always been a contentious one. In fact, with the rising of feminism and the decline in masculinity, there are few topics that are more controversial than this one. Should a woman preach or shouldn't she? Should a woman preach in the congregation? I found this quotation very helpful. One of every 11 Protestant pastors is a woman. Triple as many as 25 years ago. And yet women who lead, and yet women often lead smaller congregations than men. The number of female pastors is rising every day. The number of congregations led by apostle, pastor, a prophetess, so-and-so, who is a woman, is astounding. It is growing at an alarming rate. And worse, you have even men flocking to these congregations and churches to listen to women preaching and teaching them and usurping their leadership. Or exchanging roles. They, they go there. You know, you meet a man. Who, which church do you go to? Prophetess Diana is my pastor. Ah, she's wise. She's, she's more wise than every, ever, well, every man I've ever met. That's what they say. And dear friends, the road ahead of us today is steep and winding. And we can only arrive by the aiding of the Spirit of God, and I pray for this help as I attempt to preach from this text. The way I've divided this, this text is that it's divided into two, from verse 11 to 15. First of all, we see a positive command from the Apostle Paul. And underneath, as a subheading of the positive command, Women are exhorted to learn in obedience. Verse 11. And we also see that in verse 12, secondly, under that heading of a positive command, women are prohibited from preaching and the office. And then the other uh, sort of heading is the accompanying conclusion, which is the reason why Paul has given this command. First of all, we see under that heading is that there's creation, order, and deception from verse 13 to 14. And the second one is the appropriate position of the woman. The appropriate position of the woman. So let us dig into the text together and I hope you'll be able to follow even as we learn. The positive command, verse 11. The first thing we see is that women are exhorted to learn in obedience. 
Verse 11. Let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. After Paul had given instructions on modesty and apparel, which is really a heart issue, he now comes to another heart issue as he addresses women. He points to something that occurred as a result of the fall of man and it is highlighted in the judgments given by God to man in Genesis 3. What is it that he's pointing us to? If you just open to Genesis 3 verse 16, you see the judgment to the women. And I hope you connect it to what we're seeing here. To the woman he says, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire, highlight that. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. So we see that from the Garden of Eden, two problems arose. One was the inclination of women to want to usurp male authority. And then the second problem that arose as a result of the fall was that the men were, were to be oppressive by nature upon women. And this is why there is an existing tension in every marriage, in every sphere. To do till today between men and women. So the women, that's why Paul is saying, let a woman learn quietly. Why is he saying that? Because of the inclination for a woman to want to lead. Of the inclination of the woman to want to usurp the authority of the man. And this is true even in the best of marriages, dear friends. That's why People can say, wow, wow, this marriage is, you know, is going on well. You guys seem to be happy. But there's tension there. There's an existing tension that is there, that is undeniable, and is scriptural. And this is why Paul, knowing his audience and their nature, says, let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. Now, dear friends, the place of women in the congregation is to be in actual fact recipients of teaching and preaching and not givers of the teaching and preaching to the congregation. They must know and flourish in their place. And in the context of the congregation, we see that women of all ages, it's not only, you know, uh, middle-aged women or older women, it is women of all ages, young, middle-aged and old. Their posture, their position is to learn quietly with all submissiveness. Now, our flesh naturally would think that this is a very hard teaching. Uh, very too harsh. Wasn't, wasn't this cultural? Was Paul a misogynist? Did he hate women? Is this outdated you know, Paul was outdated. This is the Bible. We're now in the 21st century. So get along with the times. But the word for submissiveness in the Greek means to be obedient, to come under. There are some women, dear friends, who are quiet. They never teach, but are not submissive to authority. 
You mostly see it through responses to things that are suggested. If the pastors or the elders suggest something, the women can be very quiet, you know, but you can tell the body language that this person is averse to authority. There are those, then there are those who don't teach or preach, but they're so vocal about so many things and everything. They talk. Paul is saying women must learn in learn quietly in submissiveness. But there are people who are busy bodies. They they they're looking for stories. They're looking to to to, to talk about something to others. And they even criticize the preaching. Ah, we can do better. There are women who can do that. We can do better than that pastor. Fair enough, you may even be knowledgeable. But your place is to be a a receiver. And if, if they are given the sniff of the poopy, they will teach. Trust me. Those type of women, if you give them the pulpit and you are just weak as men, they will teach. They will teach the congregation. Women are prone to being loud. That's the other point. Let a woman be... Let, let a woman learn quietly. Pada. Go to the marketplace. Cha, cha, cha. In Harare, <laughs> I never know that they are aggressive women until I came to Harare. Almost saw women at the marketplace coming blow to blow, but they were very loud. You know, I'm like, huh? This is so scary. But Paul is saying, Women actually are prone to being loud. That's why you say, let them learn. Otherwise, they are almost an atom bomb waiting to explode. Women, this is a teaching on self-control. It's going to be very hard. It is very hard. Especially because women are prone to being loud. And also sometimes attention seekers. They want to be heard. Hey, this is what Paul is, is addressing here. It's scripture. This is the first century. We are in the 21st century and it's still true today. This is even true of Bible studies in the church, right? Of course, we need to be careful and not discourage our sisters because they are definitely well welcome and open to give a contribution in the Bible study. But there are some times when the, the, the tendency comes out, the proneness comes out, where the woman now even wants to teach in the Bible study. <laughs> There's always that thin line. You give a contribution, okay, fair enough. But then you say, okay, no, this one is now teaching. <laughs> this, this one is now teaching. He's now te- she's now teaching us. And of course, we should not put a hard, fast rule or say, no, no, no. I'm not discouraging you. I'm just preaching it as it is. May the Lord help us all 
and help us give us self-control even when we're giving these feedbacks. They can even start to begin to instruct the congregation. Now, the positive command given by the Apostle Paul is that women should learn in obedience. And, dear friends, there is a place for speaking out against false teaching or asking questions. Uh, yes, there is a place for even to seek out clarity on certain doctrinal teachings, but there is a way to do it without usurping male leadership or assuming the office of elder pastor. There are, there are channels. You don't thwart errors by beginning to teach as a woman. You don't correct doctrine in the church by beginning to take up a pastoral office as a woman. And this is even why, as a side note, when it comes to the reading of scripture, the public reading of scripture, this is the authoritative word of God. And the reason why we don't have women up here reading the scriptures is because we believe that is the teaching position. We believe as you open the scriptures authoritatively and you're reading out to the congregation, you might come across a doctrinal problem and you might have to teach. So if you want to correct doctrine, what do you do? You start explaining, what are you doing in your teaching? <laughs> Tricky. Tricky. But let us see from verse 11, the positive command. That women are prohibited, from verse 12, sorry, are prohibited from preaching and the office. Let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to teach one or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. Paul then brings forth the prohibition. He says the following words, which are found in verse 12. Firstly, there's a prohibition against preaching. And secondly, there's a prohibition against exercising authority. Those are two different things. We may even be asked, okay, Paul, was this a cultural thing? Well, the answer is actually in the next few verses, and we'll get there just now. But what we see clearly spelled out is that women are not to teach or exercise authority over a man or men. And this is in the context of the local assembly. More plainly, they are not to publicly teach scripture or Christian doctrine. And they are not to exercise authority over men. And this is why at BRBC, only men preach and teach on the Lord's Day services and other ordered official gatherings. This includes Christmas services and Easter services. And when you observe the authority, the word authority here, you see that it's clearly linked to ruling. It's clearly linked to ruling. Elders exercise authority that has been given to them by the Lord Jesus Christ. They are to lead, preach, teach, and administer the Lord's table. I want you to turn to a couple of verses with me. Let's do a small Bible study. Hebrews 13, verse 17. I'll wait for you to get there so that we follow. Uh, Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13, verse 17. Just to reinforce my point. 
Hebrews 13 verse 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them. For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who, give, who have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning. For that would be of no advantage to you. Obey your leaders. There is authority. There is rulership. 1 Timothy 5 verse 17. 1 Timothy 5 verse 17. like the sound of those papers turning. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17. Let the elders... Eh? Do you know that elders are meant to rule? <laughs> or you're told, I know, they are servants. Yes, they are servants. But also they are meant to rule. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17. Let the elders who rule well be considered of, uh, worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. Now tell me if this is a female job. <laughs> tell me. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 to 2. Qualifications of overseers. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, which is the same office as elder, uh, 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 pastor, he desires a noble task. Therefore, listen to this, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband. It doesn't say the wife of one husband. It does not say that. The husband of one wife. Sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach. Elders are men. Pastors are men. And men should teach. First Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33 to 35. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. As in all the churches of the saints, the women, verse 34, should keep silent in the churches. For they are not permitted to speak, but should be in submission. As the law also says, if there's anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home. For it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. Those who are encouraging women preachers and pastors should know that they are practicing what is not scriptural and it's also abuse. You are abusing women. Women cannot handle that burden of being a pastor because they were not made that way. Women must not teach or preach because, number one, creation order. Number two, deception. <laughs> we'll get to that. So you, you must be asking yourself, well, pastor, where can women teach? Or whom can women teach? And the answer is very clear. Women can teach other women and children. 
Not obviously not every woman has the teaching gift because they are God gives us gifts and distributes them freely. There are some women who know things but cannot teach. There are some women who actually can teach other women and there's a, there's an impact. Sadly nowadays you have even women speaking at men's conferences and men drinking everything in. And it's not really pride to say, no, no, I'm not going to go there. It's biblical. Why should I encourage you to do what is not biblical? By going and listening to you teach the scriptures authoritatively, publicly. Second Timothy chapter 1. Verse 4 to 5. This is evidence that women are able to teach children. As I remember your tears, I long to see you. This is Paul writing to Timothy. That I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith. A faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And now, I am sure, dwells in you as well. So, uh, Timothy was catechized by his mom. Whose mom catechized her and taught her the scriptures? There's a place for women in the congregation. Teach your children and be content with the place that God has given you. Titus 2, verse 3 to 5. Titus 2. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good. And so, listen to this verse 4. And so train the young women to love their husbands and the children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. So it is the duty of older women in the church or mature women in the church to teach the younger women in the church. But what are they teaching them? They're not only teaching them the things of God, but they're teaching them practical theology. The practical theology is that you must be submissive to your husband. You must be self-controlled. You must be kind. You must be working at home, hard-working. So women, when you meet up, teach yourselves these things. How are you doing in terms of submitting to your husband, dear sister? Dear sister, do you clean the house as evidence that you have been impacted by a holy God? Dear sister, are you submissive? Are you helping your husband to achieve the goals and the dreams that you have? Or, or, or you are just being a snare to him? Or you are just being a thorn to him? This is what ladies are meant to be teaching one another. They're not supposed to be meeting to gossip, meeting uh, for small talk. Of course, that's fine. You can chill out, hang out with your friends, have coffee, cake, whatever it is. 
but we see their place. Someone will say, well, you know, pastor, what about Deborah in Judges 4? Well, Deborah knew her place. That's why she declined to lead the military. And she ceded to, to Barak. Actually, it was judgment that God raised up a woman judge because there were no men in Israel. They had no spine. What about Galatians 3.28? Which, uh, you know, people say, well, there's no longer any Jew. There's, there's no longer uh, any Gentiles. Uh, there's no man. There's no woman. People use that to say, well, there's no distinction. So let women teach. But what that verse is teaching is unity in diversity, not sameness. Women and men are not the same. There has to be distinctions. We need to understand our roles, dear friends. And it's a problem in this day and age. It's a problem because everything is now jumbled up. Everything is... True femininity and true masculinity has been thrown out of the window. Men are no longer men. Men do not do the hard work anymore. They don't do hard labor. Oh, you know, men do not uh, die like for their families. There are, there are many families that are starving out there. And the father is always under the tree drinking opaque beer. There are no women, Femi uh, Christian, feminine women who are resourceful, thoughtful, godly, kind. They've got a quiet and gentle spirit, not a contentious one. Submissive, honest. Let's move on to the accompanying conclusion. Why? Why has Paul said women should not teach? Well, we want to look at creation order and deception. Verse 13 and 14. He, these are the reasons that he gives. For Adam was formed first. Let me read the whole sentence again. Let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. Why? For Adam was formed first, then Eve. So there's creation order there. And verse 14, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. What is the reason for Paul's positive command? He doesn't mean that women are inferior or are less knowledgeable or are second-class citizens. Rather, men should be teaching because of God's creation order. Adam was a federal head, not Eve. That is why Romans 5.12 says, just as through one man sin entered. It is because of creation order. Adam was a federal head. Adam, you are in charge. Adam, I gave you the command. creation order. He was created first. The woman was created from the rib. So it can't be cultural. But 
it's natural. <laughs> it's nature. He appeals to creation order. Paul calls to mind the story of creation and the fall of Adam and Eve as the reason a woman is so instructed not to take the position as a teacher in the church. To do so would be in direct conflict with God's order of arrangement. You, you, these people who claim to be prophetesses and pastors as, we, as women, they are going against God and they're shaking their fists at God. They're spitting at God. They're saying, we don't care about what you say in your word. We want to do what we want to do. And we see deception as well in verse 14. Unlike Eve, Adam was not deceived. He ate of the fruit knowing it was in rebellion to what the Lord had said. One sinned in ignorance, being deceived in believing she would not die, and the other sinned with full knowledge. However, they both committed the same sin, the same day, and both faced the same consequence. They were driven from the presence of God and the Garden of Eden. And though she was created second, she was the first to plunge mankind into sin. Nonetheless, God held the first to be created accountable. Eve was deceived first. She was the front runner. <laughs> she was ahead of the husband. And there's a lesson to be learned there, friends. Women, let's know our place. Men, let's know our place. Don't be quick. You know? That's why there's so many problems in marriages these days. Because the women are assuming leadership positions. You may not see it, but she's the invisible hand of leadership. Hmm? Well, you think I'm leading, but haha, no, my friend. You're not leading anything. Your wife is leading. Where you're going to go? How many kids you're going to have? Where you're going to work? Not a control, I will. It's true. We have to, we have to speak the truth. Because there's this notion that, you know, women, whatever they do is right. A woman is, I hate that statement. A woman is right, always right. That's what they say. Creation order and deception. She stepped outside the bounds and covering of her husband's leadership and thus fell. She took matters into her own hands and fell. And she was the first woman and this has been passed down to the women who follow. They must be subject and quiet because preaching and assuming office is not their place. Let's move to the appropriate response. Sorry, the appropriate position in verse 15. I do not permit a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet, for Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. Verse 15. Yet 
she will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control. What does this mean? What does this text mean? Perhaps the best explanation of this difficult verse is this. God promised women a life of fulfillment as mothers in the home, provided they walk with the Lord rather than as teachers and leaders in the church. The meaning of sozo, which is to save, in this passage, is once again something like spiritual help. It's not so much so salvation. A full and meaningful life. And this uh, fits the context quite well because Paul has just excluded women from positions of teaching in the church. What then is their primary destiny? They will find life through fulfilling their role as a mother. If they continue in faith, love and holiness with propriety. A salvation which comes only to mothers who persist in faithful service is not the faith alone salvation taught elsewhere. So it's not about that you will be, a woman will be saved through childbearing. They, that is changing the meaning of salvation. Salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. But what Paul is saying with this source of statement is that women will find fulfillment in childbearing. Remember what, in Genesis, what it says, your pains will be multiplied through childbearing. So that in itself is already a work on itself. So you don't have to pile more work on yourself. You have a place, and that is being a mother, being a wife. Of course, this does not mean that those who cannot bear children are omitted from this. Because we have texts like 1 Peter chapter 3 where Paul is instructing women to not only let their apparel be uh, the, 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 the outside, but the quiet spirit to be obedient, to be submissive. You don't need children to be submissive. You can be a submissive wife even though you can't have children because God rules and reigns. Sometimes you cannot have children. It's not the end of life. Your life has worth in Christ Jesus. No one can be saved by birth alone, only Christ. Listen to John MacArthur. Paul's point is that while a woman may have led the race into sin, women have the privilege of leading the race out of sin. See how he beautifully connects it. He says, he goes back to Genesis and says, the women plunged mankind into sin because she was a transgressor. She was the first one. But now if she is in Christ, she can then lead mankind into godliness by remaining in faith, love, and holiness. Knowing her place. You don't have to let, take leadership positions. 
Just do what God has called you to do. Quietly. Working with your hands, as Paul says to first, in First Thessalonians. And not being a busybody. But dear friends, since we've spoken about this fulfillment and this uh, sozo that Paul is talking about, what is the true redemption that we find in the Bible? And the answer is that it's not childbearing. It's not even being a wife. It's not even being in a leadership position. How can one enter into God's kingdom? That's the question. That is the burning question that overarchs and goes over this text of scripture. And it is this that Jesus Christ is the seed that of the woman that was to bruise or to be bruised by the seed of the serpent, but he was to crush the seed of the serpent. Salvation in Jesus Christ was foretold in the Old Testament, right on the fall of man. So the biggest and best redemption in history is to know Jesus Christ. That's the first thing. Before we even talk about women preachers, assuming leadership position in the church, we're talking about salvation in Jesus. Have you been saved by Christ. Do you know Christ Jesus? And it is only in Christ Jesus that these roles that we're talking about can be fully realized. It is only in Christ Jesus uh, when the church is able to worship as it should because we're in this series. How then should we worship? Men will be lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. Women will be dressed in respectable apparel all through their lives. Uh, bearing or showing what is proper for women who profess godliness with good works. Women will be silent in churches while men lead. Women won't be teaching or exercising authority over a man. They will be remaining quiet. Because they know Christ, who is the second Adam. <laughs> they know the second Adam. First Adam fell in the garden. The second Adam redeemed us in the garden. Christ, Christ Jesus, our Lord. He's the one that grants us victory or grants people victory to those who believe in him. To the one who is victorious, I'll give them the right to sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Revelation 3.21 So dear friends, how then shall we worship? It has been laid to us, I trust, from the word of God. Let us pray. Oh, Father in heaven, thank you so much for your love and care. Thank you so much for your word, oh God. Oh, would you help us to grow in grace and godliness. 
and to leave foolish ways behind. And oh Lord, I personally pray for this church, my God. Oh, that you would protect us from the problems that were occurring at Ephesus and in Corinth. Would you protect us for ages to come? That our children's children would teach and pass down the baton of the truth of the gospel. That 400 years from now, the Lord willing, that this would still be a biblical church not given to women preachers or women pastors, but being led by capable and qualified men whose hearts have been saved and saved by you. Oh Lord, we beg and plead with you. Do not take the lampstand away from us. Help us not to blow cold or look warm. Help us not to lose our first love, to lose sight of the gospel to lose sight of Christ and to apply ourselves appropriately. What a challenge you have left us in your word. So help us to stand. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.